When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about? He asked. A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought to you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said. I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, this kind can come out only by prayer. They left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said to them, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him and after three days he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. So Mark introduces these passages when Jesus is coming down from the Transfiguration Mount. This is the high mount as Mark describes it. We don't know which mount it was. Jesus is accompanied by Peter, James, and John as they make their way down the mountain to meet the rest of the disciples. Uh, wait, there, there is already a lot of people around the other disciples and waiting for Jesus. And Jesus notices that there are some scribes or teachers of the law who are arguing with the disciples. The disciples see Jesus and run towards him. The disciples see Jesus and they are in awe of his face, I mean the people, the rest of the people. And, you know, this echoes uh, Exodus 34, 29, and what happened to Moses when Moses was coming down from Mount Sinai. And this is what uh, Deuteronomy 34, 29 says. Moses came down from Mount Sinai. As he came down from the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant in his hand, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he had been talking with God. Moses received the law of the covenant at that time. Jesus offered his body for us and his blood for us for us in the new covenant. Paul writing to the church in Corinth says, 
For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. On top of that mountain that day, Jesus, Elijah, and Moses talked. And Jesus was transfigured. His clothes, the Bible says, became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. Coming down from the mountain, there is something in his face that makes people in awe of his face. As he continued to come down the mountain, and he had noticed his describes or the teachers of the law, arguing with the disciples, and he asked the disciples, why are you arguing with them? But a voice, someone from the crowd responds to Jesus. Teacher, I brought you my son. He has a spirit that makes him unable to speak, and whenever it seizes him, it dashes him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. And I asked your disciples to cast it out, but they could not do so. Mark doesn't tell us what they were arguing about or what they were saying. The named father of the unnamed son knows one thing. His father came to Jesus seeking healing of his son. Jesus was not with his disciples. Reasonably, he asked the disciples to heal his son. His disciples tried to heal his son, but they were unable to do so. Maybe the scribes were belittling the disciples and their teacher for not being able to heal the boy. Maybe they were saying that Jesus, like his disciples, was also unable to heal his son. But the father is anxious. Maybe he had tried other healers. Maybe he had tried other exorcists. His faith, his hope is floundering. Disappointment and sadness are creeping in. He has such a high hope that Jesus could have healed his son. Jesus listened to him. Jesus understands him. Jesus empathized with him. Jesus will heal his son. In Jesus, the kingdom of God has come. In the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, we read, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Then Jesus himself, when he starts preaching, uh, he preaches the following messages. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. What the version says has, is at hand. Repent. Repent and believe in the good news. The time is fulfilled now. Jesus has brought the kingdom of God to earth. Change your ways and believe the good news uh, is the good news that Jesus represents, that Jesus announces. The kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is here. God's right to reign and rule are here. God's ways are not our ways. God is so much fuller of grace than we humans have ever been. 
God's ways are more abundant in love, grace, and in mercy. His ways are higher than our ways. God is speaking through the uh, through Isaiah the prophet says, "Seek the Lord while him while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord that he may have mercy on them, and to our God for he will abundantly pardon." Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. And he will abundantly pardon. I'm just trying to emphasize these phrases. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And in Jesus, in the coming of kingdom of God to earth, there is mercy and abundance, pardon or forgiveness. Unlike us, the arms of God are just waiting for us to turn to Him. We are currently living in a world that cancels each other. We have grown less tolerant, not more. Claiming tolerance and inclusiveness the world is becoming more and more intolerant and exclusive. This is true in American politics. It is true even in the church. It is true in the whole world. Russia's invasion of Ukraine has divided the world even more. I am disappointed at the fact that nations are spending billions of dollars in arms in almost no effort to bring about peace. Let us pray for the peace and let us pray for, for Ukraine. And let us help the refugees who are coming here. Let us, stand, let us send relief over there. I'm glad the Brethren Church has done that. And let us pray for peace. God can bring about peace. God is, his way, God's ways are higher than ours. He can bring about peace in Ukraine and send Russia back home. Higher ways don't mean more weapons. It doesn't mean going nuclear and kill more in the name of fighting for peace. It means more democracy, diplomacy. It means mercy. It means grace. It means forgiveness. Jesus calls us to hear his message. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and hear the good news. Jesus' call resonates throughout the centuries. Even today, repent and receive the good news. The father's desperate call for the healing of his son is heard today, and the call is just as desperate. Jesus was exasperated because his disciples were unable to heal and rebuke the spirit that prevented this unnamed son of this unnamed father from speaking. Jesus says to his disciples, You faithless generation, how much longer must I be among you? How much longer must I put up with you? Bring him to me. Faithless here does not mean unfaithfulness. It just means lack of faith, lack of trust. Jesus asked that the boys brought to him. Immediately, the, clean, the unclean spirit attacks him. The boy did not do anything wrong. It's not his fault that, the, 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 that this spirit has found dwelling in, in, in him. He's just made very ill by the spirit and needs someone 
someone who can make him well again, someone who can heal him, someone who can free him from the power of this spirit that makes him unable to speak. When Jesus said the kingdom of God is near or the kingdom of God is at hand, he was not just talking about theory or about a possibility or of a grand idea. He was not speaking empty words or empty promises. He, the kingdom of God, is at hand in the person of Jesus. He was talking about the reality of the kingdom of God in the lives of people. <clears throat> the kingdom of God sounds great, but it must have practical application and practical realization in the lives of the people. I am glad about the timing of Jesus' arrival from the Mount of Transfiguration. The scribes were trying to discredit the disciples, and by discrediting them, discredit their teacher. They were probably uh, other exorcists of fame in first century, and, and sometimes people would dare to exorcise a spirit by calling on the name of a powerful exorcist. It is probably that the scribe was trying to use the disciples' inability again to cast out the spirit as proof that Jesus, their teacher, was also not able to cast out the spirit. <clears throat> Later, Mark writes about a man who was casting out demons in the name of Jesus. Jesus' answer is very interesting. This is what Mark says. John said to him, to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him. Because he was, he was not following us. <clears throat> but Jesus said, do not stop him. For no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able to soon afterwards speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For I truly tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. To live in the kingdom of God and be witness to it is manifested or shown in a practical way. <clears throat> so I would say, let us never second-guess our work for the benefit of the poor, the widow, the sick, the stranger. When we do it in the name of Jesus, we are testifying and realizing the power of the reality of the kingdom of God on earth when and if we do it in the name of Jesus asked the father of this boy, how long this has been happening? The father said, from childhood. He has often cast out unto the fire and unto water to destroy him. But if you are able to do anything, have pity on us and help us. This man is asking, if you can do anything, have pity and help us. That's all he needs. He needs help. He is desperate. But he is feeling that he doesn't have enough faith. So he cries out to Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. Perhaps we can learn from this man. When we feel that our faith is weak, perhaps things have happened to make our faith stagger, or we struggle believing, let us go to Jesus and tell him, I believe, but I am having a hard time keeping on believing and trusting in you. Believing and trusting in your faithfulness. But you know this, Jesus is faithful. He is not going to reject. He will answer your prayer. The man's son was healed, even as his father believed. I believe the disciples believed too, but they struggled as well. As the disciples of Jesus and the ones who were going to continue to do the work of Jesus on the earth, 
They needed to have a more intimate communion with God and Jesus. They needed to know Jesus more and better. Eventually, they got it, but they struggled until the very end. When we hesitate in faith, let us pray and confess it to God. Just like this man did, he confessed his weakness and his lack of pity. Help my unbelief was his prayer. What is our prayer to God today? Where do we find ourselves today? So I would like us to hear the voice of Jesus in this. He invites us to pray more and to, stand, to spend time with him in prayer. Sometimes we may think that power rhetoric is what is needed. We may think that an eloquent prayer is necessary. All the unnamed father prayed was, I believe, help my unbelief. It sounds very simple, but it's deeply practical and to the point. He wants his son to be healed. I think we can relate to this request. I, in first century, there were other exercises, as I said before, and other healers. How and under whose name they did it, I don't know. I don't believe this was the first time this, month, this man sought help for his son. But now there is hope. The kingdom of God. He has heard about a name, a man named Jesus. If you are able to do anything, anything, have pity on us, help us. You know, when sometimes people contact us uh, seeking help, and that's, that's what they say. If you can help me with anything, anything, please help. And Jesus talked to the man. And Jesus called out the unclean spirit to come out and leave the boy alone forever. Never bothered the boy anymore, ever. And the spirit obeyed, even as he tried to destroy the boy on his way out. The boy was left for dead, but he is up. He is now free. He is now healed. The father must have been relieved and grateful. Mark never mentioned this unnamed man. Name. A name, man, and unnamed son again. Jesus reached out and took the boy by the hand. When the boy was left by dead, Jesus took his hand and lifted Oh, what a glorious moment that was. At that moment, when Jesus reached out to him and took out, took our hand, and we're, and we're with the power of his hand, Able to change again. Then Jesus entered the house as the father took his son back home. His son is now a life that has been freed from the power of the evil one. No more attack, no more fear, no more oppression. Yeah. But the disciples are still puzzled. Jesus made it look so easy. So they asked him, Why could we not get out? I think it's a reasonable question. You know, if we do not know, let us not assume the answer. Do not make assumptions. The disciples could have said, well, I mean, it's get it. You know, we could do it and just leave it at that. Never ask the question. They had to hear the answer from Jesus, and the answer was very simple. This kind come out only through prayer. 
and some other ancient versions of the Bible say through prayer and fasting. Throughout the Bible, God called his people to pray. Jesus set an, ex an example of a life of prayer. It is necessary for all the followers of Jesus to pray. In prayer, we meet the Lord in a more intimate way. When I was still a boy, I remember going to my grandparents' house and spend time with them during vacation. I still remember hearing my grandparents praying together in the bedroom. I wish I had the same commitment and devotion to prayer that they had. They set a living example to me of what it means to pray without fear. And that is what we are called to do. Let us pray. Let us pray. Not because prayer is something that has a magical power to it in itself, but because in prayer we get to meet with God. In prayer, we develop a deeper relationship with God. In prayer, we get to know God better and what his purpose for our lives is. We talk to God, and he talks to us in prayer. In prayer, Jesus taught his disciples to pray. In the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he prays, and he wants us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is on earth when the church continues to live the life that Jesus taught us to live. And we bring the realization of the kingdom of God on earth. There is an eschatological aspect of the kingdom of God. I know, we know. We gather together around the table and remember Jesus. We look forward to the day when death, illness, and Satan will no more be around and people from all confines, from all places of the earth, will sit at the wedding feast of Jesus and his bride, the church. Until then, again, I say, let us live the life that Jesus taught us to live and bring the realization of the kingdom of God on earth here and now. And let's do it. Thanks again for listening today to Sermons at Smoky Row Brethren Church. If you enjoyed this message, would you consider leaving a rating or review or share a link to it on your social media page? All of those things can help to spread the reach of this podcast and make this resource accessible to more people for their spiritual growth. Or if you believe in the mission and the work of our congregation and want to support what we're doing, you can give online at smokyrow.org give. Link available in the show notes. All of our ministry work is funded by the generosity of people like you. Until the next time, may the peace of Christ go with you wherever he may lead you. And the peace and the power of his Holy Spirit. See you soon.